Welcome to Crossview Radio, weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. Well, before we begin today, I want to uh, apologize for being out for the last couple of weeks. Um, I am currently doing some seminary work right now and trying to uh, balance all these things. Sometimes I don't quite get to the podcast, although I uh, love to. Uh, So if you ever see me miss one here and there, um, that's probably what's going on. So I probably should just try to make it more random. uh, So that way, uh, if we miss, then it doesn't seem uh, that out of place. But we'll uh, keep on plotting ahead as we are and um, go from there. So I wanted to continue our study on theology today, and we've been going through a number of different topics. And today uh, we're going to start with or or discuss the gospel. Uh, But before we begin, I do want to give a little bit of context. Um, And and by the way, I have at the very beginning of this podcast uh, talked about the gospel in uh, a four-part series and so uh, I encourage you to go back and listen to that. Um, I do want to kind of n- maybe drill down in one particular aspect of the gospel today. So it's not going to be comprehensive as much as it is going to be just one part of the gospel. Um, but the context that I want to bring in is uh, really maybe understanding the gospel in four major sections, and that is understanding God. Uh, and his standard of holiness, um, second, understanding man and our depravity and our total inability, uh, third, understanding Christ and his provision, and then fourth, uh, our need uh, to repent and believe uh, as our response. And if we don't understand God, his standard, and our sin, we're never going to see the need for repentance and faith. So C.S. Lewis says, fallen man is not simply an imperfect creature who needs improvement. He's a rebel who must lay down his arms. Now, if you happen to misunderstand sin, or if you understand misunderstand man and God, uh, you're most likely going to believe yourself to be better than you actually are. Uh, and you may mistakenly believe yourself to be, as Lewis points out, merely an imperfect creature requiring improvement. If you believe that then you won't see the point in laying down your arms. If, if I'm just an imperfect creature, why should I lay down my arms? Uh, you won't see the point in biblical repentance. And so, of course, then uh, biblical repentance can be modified to uh, whatever I want it to be. So let me give you an example. Let's imagine that you had a severe infection in one of your limbs, and it requires amputation to save your life. Now, imagine that you see this problem, but you say, ah, it's not as bad as the doctors say. Uh, you know, this is oozing out, but uh, it just needs a little cosmetic improvement. So you cover it up and make it look nice on the outside. And eventually, uh, if you don't turn around and get serious medical attention, you're going to uh, lose your, your limb uh, because you've misjudged the situation. You're going to die because uh, you misjudged the severity of the condition. In the same way, if you think that you're merely an imperfect creature you're not going to see the need to repent. Uh, so a, a right understanding of sin is, is crucial. So that's why, it's one of the reasons why um, we talk uh, a lot about some of those harsh themes, and you've probably heard those come out in our conversation on sin and on man, and we don't 
preach on those hard truths simply because we enjoy um, making people feel miserable. Uh, we preach on those hard truths because one, it's in the Bible, but two, we have to understand that and the severity of our condition in order to uh, get the right kind of help. When you go to the doctor, you want the doctor to be honest with your condition uh, so that you can deal with it appropriately, even if it's very severe. Um, and so we need to understand that. Um, so I'm, I'm maybe going a little bit f- deeper in this than I had wanted to go. I just wanted to mention it briefly. Um, what, what I intend to say is that I'm, I don't want to review all that in detail because we've already done that. Episodes 71, 72, and 75, we touched on sin in mankind. And so I'm just going to go ahead and proceed today, assuming that you've listened to those and you understand the importance of those things. Um, and we've also already talked about the nature of God as well. And so really the first two of the four points that I opened up with today uh, have been covered in recent episodes. So today I just want to cover what happens after you understand the diagnosis. So we'll pick it up there at Christ and what he's done. Um, And so if you haven't listened to what's uh, come before, go back and listen to those. So uh, when it comes to the gospel, we have to get the gospel right. If we miss the gospel, we miss everything. Um, the, the gospel is important because it's the answer to our dilemma. It bridges the gap between us and God. And I want to consider just one aspect about it today, and that is uh, how we become righteous in God's sight. This is the great dilemma for the Christian, how we can become righteous. Martin Luther, the famous German reformer, says, quote, I hated that word, the righteousness of God, by which I had been taught according to the custom and use of all teachers, that God is righteous and punishes the unrighteous sinner, end quote. Uh, why would, why would uh, Luther hate the righteousness of God, and why, why would that be something that we also could find potentially repulsive? Uh, namely, because we can't obtain to it. Uh, l- let's say, uh, for example, that uh, when you were a child, uh, your parents told you that... Um, you know, you let's say uh, if you could go for one week without complaining, and you always had a smile on your face, and you always had a good attitude, uh, then you can get a brand new bicycle. And you fail the first week, and so they give you another chance, and you try again the next week, and you fail, and you fail, and you fail, and you fail. You can't constantly be uh, in that in that state of mind, uh, never complaining, always smiling on your face. Uh, if you are constantly failing and you're never measuring up, and you never get your bicycle. Eventually, you're going to despise those good rules. You're, you're going to you're going to hate the fact that they're harping on them all the time, and you could never get there. And in the same way, uh, having a standard of perfect righteousness to obtain God's favor is a daunting task. It it becomes instead of a joy, it becomes a burden because I can't do it. Uh, and that, of course, was the story of Luther, and he would constantly. Um, be repenting and repenting and repenting, and he would be confessing and driving everyone around him insane because he was going over every minute sin that he had committed and, and evaluating his motives and all those things. Um, and if, if, if the definition of righteousness was correct, or, or I should say the method of obtaining righteousness was correct in the Roman Catholic system that he was part of, if that method was correct, then actually he was doing what he should have done. He was, he was 
evaluating. He was repenting. He was um, trying to produce and manufacture a righteousness in his own strength. And um, of course, that uh, method of obtaining righteousness is not correct. But if it were, then he was he was pursuing it um, fervently. Uh, but he did he he found out uh, as he studied scripture that what he had been taught was was uh, incorrect. It's like having a carrot hanging out in front of you and you never can reach it. Eventually, it frustrates you. Uh, but but Luther he realizes that what he's taught about the righteousness of God is wrong. And he actually uh, writes this. He says, At last, meditating day and night by the mercy of God, I began to understand that the righteousness of God is that through which the righteous live by a gift of God, namely by faith. Here I felt as if I were entirely born again and had entered paradise itself through the gates that had been flung open, end quote. And of course, the verse um, that he wrestled with was Romans 1.17 that says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And what R- Luther realized was that righteous people needed to live their lives by faith. But he couldn't get to that faith because he wasn't righteous. The righteous shall live by faith. Well, I, I can't be. I can't have faith if I'm not righteous. As, as as he was looking at that, and every time that he tried to manufacture righteousness, he fell short and realized he couldn't even uh, he couldn't even start off right because he was not able to produce this righteousness. And so the problem that the Bible presents us with is the problem of becoming righteous. Um, we need to be righteous in order to enter God's presence. Psalm 15 verses one through two. O oh Lord, who, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. The Catholicism that Luther came from said that you had to manufacture your own righteousness. That's why he tried so hard to produce it. And granted, that seems like it would be the only way. How else could you be righteous? If you are blameless and do what is right, you know, you have, you have to produce this. But the Bible presents a radically different understanding of how you can obtain righteousness. What if another person could be righteous on your behalf? It sounds unthinkable, but that is exactly what the gospel is. The gospel is Jesus being righteous on your behalf. Let me clarify a point here. We're not merely saying that Jesus helps me to be righteous, although we do believe that. We're saying that Jesus was righteous, and he gives us the status of being righteous as a gift, even though we really were not righteous at all. It's a declaration that you are righteous. It's something uh, that's sometimes called forensic justification, and I want to give you some relevant biblical texts. Jeremiah 23, 6 says this, This is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. I'm not my own righteousness. God is my righteousness. Or Genesis 15, 6, and we know Paul uses this one uh, uh, twice, uh, Romans and Galatians, uh, talking about Abraham. He believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Uh, So God counted Abraham's belief as righteousness. God didn't say, go out and do all these. In fact, Paul makes the point that this happened before the circumcision. Uh, God called him righteous before he had responded in obedience and credited his belief as righteousness. Romans 4, 1 through 5. 
Uh, and of course, this is referencing the Genesis passage, but we'll read this this paragraph here. Uh, what shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. This was Luther's great recovery. Um, I don't want to call it discovery because uh, it's been there all along in Scripture and in the early church fathers. Um, So we'll call it a recovery. It was his great recovery. And what's odd about this is that we don't think of righteousness as something that can be given. It seems odd that you could give someone righteousness in the same way you could hand them a $50 bill. But that's the way the Bible describes it. In Hebrews 11, we're told that Noah inherited righteousness, that he was an heir of righteousness. God is counting people righteous when their actual behavior tells a different story. This is the only way that we can be righteous because we can't produce it on our own. It's impossible. And this is an incredible stumbling block because it shoots an arrow straight into our pride. God's economy precludes the possibility of manufacturing it ourselves. And so we need to rely on him. The way that we get this righteousness has already been told to us in this text. Both Genesis 15 and Romans 4 uh, tell us that belief is credited as righteousness. This is uh, our response. Uh, We said God, man, Christ, and response, and this is the response portion of the gospel. Uh, Belief means to trust, and so we're called to place our trust in Christ, in Christ alone, not Christ plus works, not Christ plus my effort. It's Christ alone. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And we're going to leave it there. It's not complicated. If you trust in Jesus as your Savior, you will be credited with righteousness from God, and God will see you as righteous, and he will delight in the righteousness that he sees in you that he produced. If this righteousness in you comes from God, then it means God doesn't delight in the things you produce. He only delights in the things that he produces in you, which is why the Puritan Richard Sibbs writes this, God delights in his own graces, which he admireth in us. That's where we want to be, to be in a place where God delights in that which he's produced in us, not which we've produced in ourselves. And I would just simply urge you to place your trust in Christ and Christ alone today. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com. Thank you.